following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. We are in week three of a series we began on Easter Sunday uh, called The Simple Life. And I thought about renaming this series, You Don't Have to Be Amish. Okay, so because um, I know sometimes we talk about slowing down and simplifying. Uh, that's what everybody thinks in their mind, but that's not what this is all about. Uh, but it is obvious that the uh, pace of life today is getting faster and faster and faster for everybody. All you have to do is get out on the highway here in Charleston, any highway, and uh, you'll see people who are willing to risk life and limb uh, just to save a few precious seconds. Uh, everybody is in a hurry, and everybody is multitasking. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, Listen to this USA Today article. People today are souped up, stressed out, and overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. Everyone is mobile, and every moment of the day is scheduled with daycare, school, after-school activities, 10 to 12-hour work days. This pressure cooker lifestyle is so common that anthropologists are now studying it to see just how it will affect us. I can tell them in advance. Uh, You you can go ahead and stop your studies. Uh, The Bible is actually very clear about how hurry and busyness affects our lives. Uh, In fact, I think we all know what happens to us as we go faster and faster and faster. But if you're like me, you don't take the time to actually think about it. So let's take a moment this morning And let's just think about the effects of this lifestyle, this hurried lifestyle that we find ourselves in. If you're taking notes, number one, when I get more and more hurried, I feel more stress. That should be obvious, right? You feel more stress in a greater way. And one of the reasons for that is Song of Solomon, uh, chapter one, verse six. I had no time to care for myself. Uh, When you don't have time to care for yourself, the stress in your life just uh, piles up. Number two, When life gets hurried, I lose my joy. I lose my joy. Joy just uh, goes right out the window. The faster you move in life, the less time you have to enjoy the life and the the gifts that God has given to you. Listen to what Job said. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Can you relate to that? Yeah. When's the last time you felt joy in your life? You know, sometimes the reason is because you're going so fast, you can't experience it. Uh, God took time to enjoy what he made, and he teaches us to do the same. Number three, when I get too hurried, I am less productive. I am less productive. Now, this one might surprise some of you, uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, our culture is, you know, the faster you go, the more you can get done. Uh, But the truth is, the faster you go, the less productive many times you become. Uh, Creative people know this. It's the law of diminishing returns. You can't think anymore. You can't create anymore. Proverbs 21.5 says this, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Ever feel like that? Hurry and scurry. You know, God did not make you to be the energizer bunny where you keep going and going and going. Uh, You cannot keep charging without recharging. You know, do you find yourself at times making more and more mistakes, being less and less productive? It might be because you need to slow down and you're in a hurry. And then this is the biggest one, the most important one. Number four, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. Psalm 4610 Be 
still and know that I am God. You know, when's the last time you took the time to do that? Just take a big, deep breath and be still. You know, sometimes God's trying to get a message through to us, but the truth is all the circuits are busy and he can't get through to us. We can't, we can't hear it. You know, when's the last time you took time to be still so that God could tell you what he really wants to tell you? So if these are some of the effects of our hurried lifestyle, what do we do about it? How do we slow down? Well, I want us to talk about that today. And uh, I'm going to give you four uh, principles that spell out the word slow to actually, I believe, will help us slow down. Okay, the letter S stands for stop, stop the constant push for more. Stop the constant push for more. You know, if you're serious about bringing uh, balance and health to your life, you really are going to have to deal honestly with your motivations, with your values. Uh, You're going to have to take a serious look at what drives you, you know, what motivates you. And we kind of talked about this last week as we kicked off this series. We talked about focusing you know, on the most important things in life. Well, everything else really is superficial until you come to understand what your true motives are and your values are. In other words, what is it that drives you, you know, to constantly be pushing for more? You know, why must you have more achievement in your career, more money in the bank account, more activities on your schedule, more experiences and thrills and pleasures? What is it that drives you to have more and more and more? Now, in a way, what we're really talking about here is ambition. Now, you need to know in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with ambition. Ambition can be a very good thing. I mean, it's how most things in the world get done today. Every, everything, whether good or bad, somebody had you know, some, some ambition behind it. And God gives you that, uh, that inclination, that ambition. He wires us to be ambitious in certain areas. But not all ambition is good. You know, ambition out of control, ambition without boundaries, with wrong motivations or values can be one of the most destructive things in the universe. I mean, it destroys lives, families, marriages. Uh, You know, an ambitious dictator can destroy an entire country or people group. Not everybody who's a high achiever should always be admired. You know, they might be achieving for all kinds of unhealthy wrong motives. Ambition can be driven by guilt, fear, resentment, anger. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, I'll show them, you know, I'm going to show my parents. I'm going to prove to that teacher who said I'd never amount to anything. You know, not all ambition is, is healthy. You know, sometimes high achievers are the most insecure people. You know, they just have this desire constantly to prove themselves because they want someone to love them. You know, if I, if I just work hard, if I just achieve more, if I just get more, then my parents will love me. You know, then people will approve of me. And we try to prove our worth by what we do. Now, if you don't get anything else I say today, make sure you get this. As long as you are confusing your worth, your value with your work, you are going to be stressed out. Listen, you are worthwhile. You are valuable because God made you, because Jesus loves you, because he died on the cross for you. So therefore, you are a valuable human being. He loves you as you are. So when you confuse your worth and your work, 
Listen, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to have to do more. You're always going to be in a hurry. You're always going to be trying to prove yourself. Never satisfied, always frantic. So the starting point in slowing down the pace of your life is not just clear your schedule, okay? You know, the reality is that that's a pretty superficial band-aid because you can always find replacement activities pretty quickly. I mean, you go home today and just, you know, clear the decks, clear all the activities. My guess is they'd fill up pretty quickly again if you don't deal with the root issue. You know, why you're so driven. It, it will eventually come back. You know, why do you keep taking on more and more than you really need to take on in life? Parents, why do you keep pushing and pushing your children? You know, more business, more activity. You know, why do we do that when we know it is harming us emotionally, physically, relationally, and spiritually? The starting point to getting balance in your life is not just to clear the decks. It's to become content with who you are and what you have. And until we do that, we're always going to be driven to take on more. The Bible says this in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Maybe so, but it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. You know, the truth is we need to ask ourselves some very, very frank questions. You know, will having more make you happier? Will doing more make your marriage any better? Will having more activities on your calendar give you a closer family? The obvious answer is no. It will not. Again, what does Solomon say? It's better to have less with peace of mind than to be busy all the time, chasing after something you know you're never going to catch. So stop the constant push for more. The letter L in slow stands for learn. Learn to say no. Okay, you ready for this? I'm going to give you a $10,000 management seminar for free in two letters. N. Oh, turn to your neighbor and say, no, no, okay, there you go. It's free. Some of you, some of you are old enough to remember the, um, the anti-drug campaign, just say no. Well, a lot of people today are addicted to speed, not the drug, but the lifestyle and how important it makes us feel. We got to learn to say no. Now, it's difficult for many of you to say no, it is. And the number one reason our lives get so overloaded is that we just say yes too many times to too many people and to too many good things and to people that we love, actually. We're, we're living this next verse, Proverbs 20, 25. An impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. Ever done that? Ever volunteer for something like, why in the world did I say yes to this? What was I thinking? You know, and that comes back to last week when we talked about, hey, there, you know, we all have busy lives. We all have so much time, and there's things that we ought to fill our, our calendars with, but it should be the most important things. You know, focus. Again, don't, don't promise something without pondering. Don't decide without deliberating. Carefully, prayerfully, 
make your commitments. Because it's always, it's always easier to get into something than it is to get out. I mean, that's just the true principle of life. It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. It's easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight. It's always easier to fill up your schedule than it is to clear your schedule. Listen, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. There are times when you've got to say no. Now, one of the reasons we have difficult times saying no is because, you know, we don't like to admit to ourselves we have limits. You know, we, we, we think we can just keep adding stuff to our lives. You know, the truth is, our lives are already full for the most part. And so if you're going to add something to your life, something else has got to go. You've got to say no to something somewhere. How many of you ever walk into, um, you know, a store, uh, and it could be, you know, Walmart or Target or maybe even Costco, you know, that's probably a great place, and you, and you walk out front and you, you go right past the buggies, okay, they're all lined up, and, and you say to yourself or to somebody else, oh, we don't need one of those, I'm only here to what, get one thing, you know, just here to pick up, you know, just a couple of things. And then you walk on in all proud and everything. And pretty soon what happens? I mean, your arms are, you know, full of stuff and you're loading up stuff. And then you send somebody to finally go get a, a buggy or something. And you're just, you know, one thing after another thing. Man, that, that's a picture of our lives. We are trying to make it through and we are limited There is only so much that you can carry. And if you're going to pick something else up, you got to set something else down. Listen, our lives are filled with good things. You know, and I'm really, for the most part, not talking about setting down bad things. You know, there's some good things in your life that are going to have to be said no to in order for you to slow down. And again, that goes back to focus. What's the end game? What are we trying to produce as a family, as a, as a husband and wife? You know, who are we trying to become in the eyes of God? What's our focus? What's the most important thing? Let's go toward that. And are all these other things producing that? You know, I guess that um, everyone in this room at some time or another, you probably all made a to-do list, right? I mean, some of you are list takers. I mean, list makers, man. You, you got a list for everything. You don't go anywhere without a list. And you've made a bazillion to-do list. How many of you have ever made a don't-do list? Don't do. In other words, or maybe better yet is what matters the most list? You know, have I spent time with God today? Have I opened up his word and let him speak to me today? You know, how often does you know, give my kids a hug today, show up on your list. You know, when we're, when we're faced with a choice, an activity, you know, something else, the question you got to ask yourself is, is it worth it? If I'm going to do this, is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Is it worth a piece of my life? The most valuable commodity you have is time. You can always make more money but you can't make more time. You know, one of the things that you could do in learning to say no is consider an activity diet. You know, fasting from activity. We know what a regular diet is. You limit the intake of your food. Well, in an activity diet, you intentionally limit your intake of activities for you and for your family. Listen to me for a second. Parents, most of your children 
do not need another activity, another activity, or another sport. They need you. There's nothing wrong with sports, there's nothing wrong with activities, but the very best thing you give your children is a good marriage, is a Christ-centered family, not travel ball. Okay? But you say you don't have time to date your spouse because you keep adding more and more and more to your calendar. You're too busy. You're too busy. The letter O. Obey the fourth commandment. Obey the fourth commandment. You know, God's word, the Bible, it is filled with principles for life. It is the owner's manual for life. You obey it, your life gets blessed, it is, it's balanced, it's healthy, it's enjoyable. If you ignore it, if you ignore God's word, if you ignore his commands, his principles, you do so to your own detriment. When God puts a command in the Bible, he doesn't do it capriciously, he doesn't do it without thought. He does it, and he doesn't do it because he wants to make your life miserable or limit your, your fun. God puts a principle in the Bible because he knows actually what is best for you. It'll save you a lot of problems, a lot of heartaches. When you follow the owner's manual, life is easier and it is less stressful. Now, of all the commands in the Bible, you know, the most famous are God's top 10, right? The 10 commandments. Well, one of the 10 is about rest. It's about rest. Exodus 29 and 10 says this, six days a week, you are to set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest. Dedicated to the Lord your God. Now, rest in your life, in our life, as a human being is so important. God puts it in his big 10, right up there with don't steal and don't murder and don't commit adultery. He says seven days uh, a, a week, you're, he says every seven days you're to take a day off. It's to be a day of rest. Now, pretty much everybody in this room would probably say, well, you know, I'd never murder anybody and I'm not planning on committing adultery but we violate the, the spirit of the fourth commandment all the time. And it's right there in the 10 commandments. Six days you work, every day, every week you take a day off to recharge. It's the Sabbath principle. Sabbath means rest, a day of rest. You know, you've heard about professors taking a sabbatical, right? That's an extended period of rest. Well, when should you take your Sabbath? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus says it really doesn't matter. What matters is the, the spirit of it. You take one, uh, one day off every week. Sunday uh, is not a Sabbath day for me, okay? It's a work day. So I have to take my Sabbath uh, some other day. You might have to as well. You know, uh, for most of you, maybe Saturday or Sunday is gonna be your day off, your Sabbath, your day of rest. Now, what are you supposed to do on your Sabbath? Now, what we usually do is we play catch up from all the work we didn't get done, Right? That's typically what we do. Well, that's not really taking a day off for the most part. In many, in many instances, that's violating the spirit of, the, of one of the Ten Commandments. Now, so what should you do with your weekly Sabbath, your day off? Let me give you three principles, three things to do. Number one, rest your body. Rest your body. Physical rest. Uh, humanly speaking, we were not wired to go 24-7 every day, work, 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 with no break. Uh, your brain, your body is not built for that. You know, we, you're, we're wired to rest our bodies. God knew that. You know, have you discovered that if you don't take time off, your body will make time off? It will. So rest your body. 
Number two, recharge your emotions. Recharge your emotions. You cannot, again, keep charging without recharging. Eventually, you are going to drain your battery. Now, you need to know what recharges your emotions. And I, I really do believe that's just different, you know, for different people. God made us different. And, you know, for some people, uh, solitude recharges your emotions. You know, when was the last time you got by yourself without the computer, without the television, and just recharge? So, well, Pastor Chris, I have a two-year-old. That's not possible. Okay, well, you know, maybe find something else for the season of your life. For many people, recharging is just being with people that you love. For, for, for you, that's, you know, you actually find energy being around other people. Uh, for other people, different recreational activities can be rejuvenating and recharging. For some of you, it's being in the outdoors, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a walk on the beach or, or it's a good book. For my wife, it's sewing. You know, that recharges her. Uh, for you, it might be painting or fishing or golfing or hunting. As crazy, I mean, absolutely crazy as this sounds to me, some of you are recharged by doing yard work. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's just nuts to me. I mean, I only cut the grass for two reasons, guilt and shame. That's it. I mean, that is, that is the only reason why you find me outside. Anyway, um, but you, you figure out what works for you. And you use that to recharge your emotions. Number three, your Sabbath should also uh, refocus your spirit. Refocus your spirit. Do a little spiritual tune-up. There's a word for that in the Bible. It's worship. You know, worship is another word for refocusing, you know, aligning your spirit with God. It's reconnecting with God. And man, we need that. We all need that. You know, that's one of the benefits of being here today is that it helps you gain a bigger perspective on life and, and on your problems. I mean, you can have a problem and, and man, it just starts to overwhelm you. And then, you know, your life gets smaller and smaller and it feels like you're just caving in. The problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you worship and you're reminded about just how big your God is. And then all of a sudden, that problem's not as big anymore. Listen, nothing else in life can do that. Nothing else in life can give you that kind of perspective like worship can. You can't go to a ball game and get that kind of perspective on life. You can't watch a movie and get that kind of perspective. It's only through worship. Only as you get in touch with God. And if you're too busy for God, you are too busy. You're missing the very purpose for which you were created. To get to know and, and, and love God. Listen, if you're frantic and upset and stressed out all the time, you are not spending enough time with God. It is just that simple. You know, I, I, can, I can tell you that without even knowing you. The more time you spend alone with God and his word, reading his word, letting, letting God speak to you, praying, talking to God, your blood pressure goes down, the more you relax. Listen, if you, if you really want to get serious about slowing down your life, slowing down your pace, you actually have to schedule time off. You got to find the 
uh, carve out a weekly Sabbath. I have to do that. You know, we had sermon run through uh, on Thursday where we go over, you know, my message. And man, I was preaching this and I, God's speaking to me because I have a hard time sometimes doing this. And, and we, after I was done, I was like, okay. And they're all looking at me and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. I need to, I need to take a day off. You know, but you do. Why? Because God wants you to. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy your life? He wants you to enjoy your rest. Psalm 127.2 says, It's useless to rise up early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? If you don't slow down by choice, circumstances eventually will force you to slow down. You can count on that. The letter W, wait. Wait for God's timing. Wait for God's timing. You know, if discontent is one of the causes of hurry, then uh, impatience is its evil twin, okay? You know, one of the reasons we get in a hurry is because we're impatient, and impatience is a lack of trust in God. You know, we really don't believe that God has our best interest at heart, that he knows what's best for us, and we think we know better. We think we know what will make us happy. So we get into a hurry, and we're striving and struggling and sweating for things that probably God intended to give us in the first place, but we get in a hurry, and we got impatient because we weren't willing, willing to trust God and to wait on his timing. You know, ask yourself, is faster always better? Absolutely not. It's not always better. You know, years ago, there, there was another commercial uh, that said, we will serve no wine before it's what? Time. Who wants wine made quickly anyway? I mean, because, uh, you know, buy our one-minute Chardonnay. Nobody really wants that, right? That'd be stupid. But, there, I mean, there's just some things in life that need to mellow, that need to mature. And you're not going to mature if you don't slow down and wait on God's timing. You know, the Bible's very clear that God has a plan for your life, a unique plan for your life. We talk about that a lot here at Coastal. But God also has a unique timetable for your plan, his plan for your life. The rub is that he doesn't usually tell us his timetable. And let's be honest, man, we hate that, don't we? We do. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And that gets frustrating, doesn't it? You know, why, why doesn't God tell us his plan in advance, give us, you know, the timetable? He wants us to trust him. God, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do or when you're going to do it but I trust you with my life. That's what he wants. I mean, if I knew in advance that, you know, everything, the way it's all gonna play out, there's no faith involved. There's no trust involved. You know, if I know he's gonna answer this prayer in four weeks, then I don't sweat the, the three and a half weeks beforehand. No, he wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to trust him. You know, one time uh, the disciples, you know, come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, when are you coming back? And Jesus basically said, you know what? It's none of your business. You know, it's, it's the Father's timing. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. So, you know, put away your charts, put away your graphs, your maps. Just know that I'm coming back. 
when I'm good and ready. Trust him. You know, if you're serious about slowing down the pace of your life, you've got to trust that God has a plan for your life. So what do you do in the meantime? You know, with all those dreams and goals and plans and visions, you hold on to the promise of Habakkuk 2.3. Listen to this. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now let me tell you something. If there is something that I have learned in 28 years as the pastor here at Coastal, it's that passage right there. Just wait. God's not in a hurry. His plan, his vision, it will be fulfilled. It will not be delayed. And if you're gonna slow the pace of your life, you gotta wait on God. You ever seen a, um, I know some of you are big NASCAR fans, race, race fans, You've seen a, uh, the pace car, right? Pace car at a race. What's, it, what's a pace car do? It sets the pace. You know what? You need a pace car in your life. The greatest pace setter of life is, is Jesus. You trust him to know the pace of your life. Listen, are you tired of living an overloaded, out of balance, hectic, moving from one thing to the next with no relief life. Well, I want to challenge you to do something today. Slow down. Slow down. Stop the constant push for more. Ask yourself some hard questions. Why am I doing this? Am I not satisfied with who God made me? Learn to say no. Maybe do some good things. Say yes to the best. But what's your don't do list? Obey the spirit of the fourth commandment. The Sabbath principle. Schedule, carve out some time off. And then trust God and wait on his timing. Slow down. What about you? Have you trusted God? Have you trusted him? You know, you can't really say that you have trusted God unless you have trusted in his plan for your salvation. You know, the simple truth is you and I have blown it. We've blown it in this area. We've blown it in every area of life. The Bible simply says we're sinners. You know, don't get hung up on that. That just means you've You've blown it. You've done wrong things. You've thought wrong things. You know, the standard of, of judgment is not me. It's not your neighbor. It's not your coworker. It's God. It's the holiness of God. And if that's the standard, guess what? We're all sinners. We all fall short. But God loved you so very much that he knew that. And he provided a payment for your sin and for mine. So much so that it was his one and only son, Jesus. That's why he came to this earth. Not to be a great moral leader, not to be a great teacher, but to be the savior, the Messiah, the one who would pay for your sin. He lived a perfect life. 
He went to the cross to die for your sin and mine, and he proved that he had the power to do it by coming back to life. He rose from the dead, and he is alive. And you cannot say that you've trusted God with his plan for your life until you've trusted him for your salvation. Until you've asked for forgiveness and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your savior, to be your Lord, the one that you follow, the one that you love. And it is as beautiful and yet as simple as a prayer. At some point, at some time in your life, you have to humbly come to him. You can do that today. What are you waiting for? It is the best life in this life, here and now, and it is the only way to secure the best life forever in heaven. What about you? Have you done that? You can do it today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. I thank you for... I thank you for your plan and your pace of life, the rhythm of life that you've created us for. God, we do have a mission and a purpose. And I know last week we talked about that, talked about uh, worship and serving you and becoming more and more like Jesus and focusing on those most important things. But so often, God, we get off that path and we fill our path with good things, a lot of things, but not the most important things. And we get in a hurry. So God, I pray today that we really would slow down and uh, allow Jesus to be the pace setter of our life. And God, week in and week out regularly, you draw people to yourself here at this place. People who are searching, seeking, people who are uh, curious, people who are ready, who are open. And listen, maybe you're here today and you're ready not just to, you know, trust God with a, a plan for the rhythm of your life, but you're ready to trust him for the true and one and only life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you ready to come home to him today? Listen, right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just pour out your heart to God. Open up your heart to him and just say something like this in your own mind, in your own heart today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I want to come home. God, I admit it. I, um, I've blown it. I've, I've walked away from you. I've pushed you out of my life. I've, um, I'm a sinner. I admit it. But today, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus, your Son, is the Messiah. He is the Savior. You sent him to this earth as a payment for my sin. My sin, God, put Jesus on that cross, and I admit it today. But sin and death and the grave could not contain him. He rose from the dead, and he is alive. And today, God, not only do I believe that with my mind, but I put my trust and my faith in him and in him alone and what he did for me and what he accomplished for me through his death, burial, and resurrection. And now, God, for the rest of my days, as much as I know how, I, I just want to become more and more like you see me today, brand new, forgiven, clean, and perfect in your sight. Not because of me, but because of Jesus in me.
thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.